With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, it's time for our final legal hub of 2023. And again, Katie Ashby Coppins and Nick Kearney um, join us for this uh, last program for the year. Um, Katie and Nick, thanks for coming in one more time before we're done. And what a year it's been. Wow. What a, what a ride. What a ride. I can't believe it's nearly been a year. Um, it's been nine months, I think. Yes, um, it has. Yep. The gestation period of a human and a cow. Um, <laughs> Thanks for reminding it's us. Pretty, pretty incredible that you know the links that we've got to the amount of hours that we've produced um, yeah. of fresh content. Um, we've only had you losing your voice once this year. Yeah, um, which pretty is good pretty for incredible. Me, yeah. um, and how many? Um, God, we've been on a ride. Yeah, it's one of the most intense rides um, in, in the career I've had, uh, given, you know, just so much has happened in the year. But one thing is, I think we're about the only legal show, and boy, is it interesting, he said with surprise in his voice. So that's yeah. down to you guys. Well, don't have an accounting show, it's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can try that. Yeah. You won for or, 24. Or an undertaker's show. <laughs> oh, okay, well, they're they too could, busy. They could be, yeah, that could be pretty interesting. If we can get some, but it has been an incredible ride. The topics, the chats, the cases have been just absolutely fascinating, um, um, mind opening. And I know the audience have loved the shows because I've seen the feedback. So um, I don't know where you want to start. Maybe we could do some looking back, some looking ahead up to you. Uh, maybe we should just do it in the right order and look back first before we look forward. Where would we start? Well, um, I actually think I want this on my bumper sticker, which is um, there's hope in my heart. Um, and I think that we can't put uh, aside how important it has been that we have reserved um, the Article 59 amendments yep. um, of the International Health Regulations that have been proposed by the WHO. Um, really interesting, just before... Um, the 1 December deadline, there was a lot of work done to suggest that uh, perhaps the WHO had rushed it again and hadn't followed due process with even adopting those documents officially mm. um, or those amendments officially. So uh, there could be the fact that that's ultra-virus, um, that adoption. And so all of the countries' um, uh, tacit acceptance or acceptance by silence will be deemed... Um, uh, you know, irrelevant or wrong, and so you know they won't apply. Those rules won't apply. We've got a lot to see there, but New Zealand, uh, like Estonia and a few other countries, have reserved their position, and that's really important. You know, I think you need to reserve your position on shorter timeframes before seeing what all the other changes are about. And um, I think there's a suggestion that a lot of the pandemic agreement is going to be squished into the future amendments that we're going to see. Uh, in uh, January 2024, so uh, I think it's the right decision. There's been a lot of criticisms for it, but I think it's I think it's right. Um, well, actually, I know it's right. Why would you ever agree to something before knowing what you know? Agreeing to a shorter time frame before knowing what you are up against or the extent of the changes. So um, yeah, there's been criticisms, but I think those criticisms are ill-founded. And I had Winston on Monday, and he mentioned it, and he said we'd reserved it. So. Oh, brilliant! From Good. The, uh, actual mouth of the of the man, so he knows about that, obviously, because you wonder if they know the detail, you know. And um... I really uh, do respect people going into public office and having that position, uh, but having had the chance to deal with a lot of politicians in the last year, which is not a realm I ever anticipated operating in, I realise that by design they're very, very busy. Um, and not necessarily across all the details. So I am, um, I am 
delighted that he was aware of it and knew about it. Uh, but he should be. It was in the coalition no, I, agreement. I agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's one. Of, uh, <laughs> that was one of the reasons people voted for them. So. Well, bloody good job. We've done. We've done well in New Zealand. Um, and there's a lot more to come. Uh, on that and I'm uh, very excited and I'm very excited to be able to spend the time to get across it all so I can hopefully uh, inform everybody uh, with the details that make it useful. Yeah. Um, the inquiry sessions, we kicked that off mm. this week, yesterday in fact, and then, <laughs> crikey, um, I don't know how many times I've said I've, I'm almost falling off my chair. That one had me almost falling off my chair. Mm. And I don't probably need to go into too much detail on why, but I, contract, contract, contract keeps going off, you know, in my head. Uh, hearing from Nadine on that was quite amazing, and many people felt that. Actually. Yeah, and look, it's vital that everyone who hasn't heard it goes back and hears it. Um at this stage, it's an assessment of what the South African, American, and other contract versions Brazilian, of the contract yep. that have been made available. Uh, you know, the wording similar. Um, the applications within uh, our countries might be a bit different, but also the applications outside of our countries are very relevant. Uh, these pharmaceutical companies very much um, toyed our countries along and bullied them into essentially. Uh, making thinking that they need to, to enter into a contract now to get supply. Um, you know, it's a fantastic play. Yeah, but um, you don't have to be weak either. No, but the fear was so powerful yeah. that I think you can't underestimate that. And I think more than anything, our politicians probably played into um, that fear much more whether intentionally or unintentionally, they paid, played into it a lot more than what they were. Do you think, do you think those types are feeling played now? Because that's not a nice feeling to know you've been played. Um, I don't know. No, I, okay, yeah. I, I really, just, I, I, I wonder. No, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like to hasten a guess. I think that there is certainly an arrogance and. Um, ignorance that uh, saw the decisions that were made over the last few years um, and I don't know where whether they've reflected and stopped to think whether or not there is an, an uh, I guess not even unacceptable but just uh, an out of ordinary level of injury and health issues that they're seeing in their family and friends um, it would be really good to know whether or not they receive these products themselves or whether they were subject to the exemptions that were delivered. I think we uh, we can ask that, can't we, and expect an answer sometime? Look, this is what the inquiry and sessions are about. Um, our public health uh, medical information was on the uh, table for everyone to know and hear about, so I think it's only appropriate that all politicians um, confirm whether or not they received a saline shot or not. The other thing too, just a quick comment, uh, finding out that one of the lay people on the Medical Council of New Zealand was actually involved in um, negotiating that contract. Does yeah, that sound right? That 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 to me seems like a conflict. Um, I think they would be right to recuse themselves from any of their Medical Council involvement. Because um, they've been punishing on doctors. Oh, they've been. They've and we been know why. Punishing. They've been more <laughs> yeah. than punishing. And he, and he was involved in negotiating the contract that might be resulting well, in this kind of attitude. And this is another Balgali massive consultancy firm, uh, law firm, um, with their snouts very deeply in the trough, receiving millions and millions of dollars from the Labour government uh, to prepare and produce these things and to guide them and navigate. Uh, I think it's like the... Um, authority member that made the decision in respect to the injunction on uh, the Ministry of Health information released by Barry Young, uh, you know, they're too involved, they're too close, uh, and for proper independence, they should not be involved. Um, they don't need to be involved. There's enough people in the zoo, uh, but yet it seems like they're very much in the inner sanctum. Okay, the whistleblower, Barry, the data. I talked to Norman Fenton, and he had looked at some of the numbers. And what he said was it wasn't the full picture. 
and there seemed to be a skew towards older age groups in that particular data. And there was a little bit of murkiness around whether those people basically were going to die anyway because of their age and the um, gap time between um, the injectables and, and when they passed away, according to that data. But he also said, um, and he was talking about the clusters and the odds of the mm. of the clusters that um, that had grouped up in the billions to one. He was suggesting. Yep. He he said there's definitely a signal there. That's what he said. Definitely a signal. But look, there's been signals screaming at um, our MedSafe and um, pharmaceutical uh, vigilance communities for a long time. I'm not just talking screaming. I'm talking like absolutely shouting from the rooftops uh, and it's incredible that we still find ourselves in this position med safe med safe still uh, extend provisional consent for another two years uh, I think we've had a situation in Australia where they've been co uh, collecting um, adverse events data from uh, medications for 50 years and in the Year, first year of COVID, they had uh, COVID injectables. They had more adverse events reported um, for those vaccines, and I put vaccines in question marks, uh, than any other vaccine for the 50 years that they've been operating. Um, and even if you standardise those number of vaccines to the number of adverse injuries, uh, it's it doesn't even play out. Uh, the safety signals are there for a reason. Um, they are to make our regulators stop and look and assess, uh, but instead our regulators just persisted it and dropped it to lower and lower age groups. And you know that's why we took the kids' case. Uh, had we had the financing to take the teenagers' case, we would have certainly taken that beforehand. Um, but this product should never have been let outside uh, the older age group. Uh, and it's interesting that even in the older age group, we can see the safety signals happening in um, uh, the uh, Barry data, but we can also see it uh, happening throughout the CV tag uh, meeting minutes, which is the group that was to advise MedSafe. And they really, they really looked at a huge proportion of the older age groups that were. Um, uh, perishing. So there is a lot to come out yet, uh, and this is the vital reason why we need a uh, inquiry. Oh, and just um, a little aside here. Um, someone sent me this PDF. It's the Invite to the Immunisation Advisory Centre Aotearoa New Zealand Immunisation Conference 2023 and Pre-Conference Workshop, 15th to 17th November, Auckland. Sponsors, Pfizer, BioSelect, Novavax and AstraZeneca. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. mm. But you, you know, that's unsurprising when the pharmaceutical industry pay eighty percent of MedSafe's our regulators' bills. But this is the advisory centre, the immunisation advisory centre. What are they going to advise? They were sponsors um, like that. Anyway, look, they have created the biggest amount of vaccine hesitancy in the yep. last three years than they could have. Everyone's now asking questions. You know, uh, maybe uh, people are pretty concerned about what's happened because they're seeing what's going on now. And it's not over. It's terrifying for where it's getting to. But I do think that people are definitely asking questions. Uh, but we're also outside of the fear campaign, which helps. Yep. All right. So, wow. Well, that's um, that's been incredible. Um, we've talked about online censorship quite a bit and that may have been, I don't know, uh, I headed off at the past just in the nick of time with a change of government. I don't know. Um, if you look at what's been happening in Ireland recently, and I'm going to be talking to Ivor Cummins in the next day or so about that, um, they're kind of going down the same track. I think they're actually arresting people now. Um, and, uh, of course, we've talked about other countries, other jurisdictions. What um, Nick, what, what have you got to say about um, disinformation uh, that... Uh, uh, internal affairs um, department discussion that we also touched on earlier in the year, all those sort of things. What do we make of that at the end of 2023, do you think? Yeah, I guess coming to the end, uh, we were hoping that the DIA by now had published the um, submission summary on, you know, the feedback that it received through all of its online webinars and all its, all its submissions process. They were due to publish, publish the submissions 
I think they said later this year, which is kind of around about now. Uh, it, who knows? You know, I mean, some of these departments are very adept at uh, publishing this material uh, on Christmas Eve and 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 leaving it open there for nobody to read over the New Year break because they've got better things to do, you know, whatever. So I, I don't know if they'll do that. But as I say, it's kind of overdue at the moment. So we don't really know generally what the public um, has said about the proposals. Um, I guess if you're a sceptic, you might say, well, they haven't published them because the feedback might not be in their favour and they quite, might not quite like what, they, what they're reading or something. I don't know. Um, but I guess uh, the long and the short of it for the minute is that it's it's overdue. The submissions um, uh, publication um, indeed is, is overdue. Uh, and, you know, it just, at the moment, we're just kind of sitting there waiting to see what happens. And I guess with the new government, uh, you know, they I think there's been some chatter around maybe not uh, the, the, the power that be at the top end of that government. Um, in other words, you know, Chris Luxon or others like that. But certainly um, I think there's been some chatter that the disinformation project should be disestablished. Funding should be cut off. I don't know. Uh, if that's possible in terms of what contracts, how long they were signed up for. We saw, uh, we've seen earlier this week that, in fact, um, you know, there were some contracts handed over at Three Waters for uh, people uh, on, on <laughs> five-year contracts when it was well when it was well publicised by the National Party and ACT and uh, maybe even New, New Zealand First that they would you know, uh, repeal the Three Waters legislation and start all over again, yet that Labor weren't... Um, Weren't fussed uh, about signing up uh, employment contracts, other cons and other senior management type people uh, in that industry, in that organisation for five years, and it could be quite hard to get rid of some well, of those. Why would you do that? Well, uh, we got any idea? Ju just out of spite only, I think. Um, really, you know, it, it's uh, if you were a responsible uh, member of government, I suppose, or politician, and you knew that your opposition was going to get rid of these um, roles, this organisation, the structure. Um, you know, if, if you were genuinely cared, I think, about um, good public policy and public money being spent and all that sort of stuff uh, and, and honoured, you know, it's kind of an, an election promise that, well, we better not sign you up for five years. We'll give you a year because it may well be if we lose the election, you'll be gone. Um you know, it's. I think it's just if you cared about all that proper process stuff, you wouldn't do it. Uh, I just don't think they really cared about much. Well, they of it. were delusional and thought they were going to win. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think. Well, <laughs> well no, look, they signed uh, up. They signed up after the uh, new government was appointed uh, and during the caretaker okay. period. So it was actually illegal what they were doing. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's, it's qu very questionable behaviour. Is that illegal? I, I consider it to be illegal if they are signing up new contracts in that period. Um. Yeah, I, I'd consider them to be illegal. Well, mm. okay. Sorry, Nick. Sorry. No, no, no. All good. Cut in there. Thanks for correcting me. I wasn't across that detail, but um, absolutely fine. No. So, look. I mean, we've we, we've seen that, and um, you know, um, coming back to the DIA, we we don't know exactly what the public has said about that. As you said correctly, Paul, we've seen um, structures, similar structures, set up now in Canada. Uh, and 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 also uh, actually in China as as well, oh, uh, and I think you you know we've seen uh, online, well not just online, but we've seen actual um, uh, police enforcement of such restrictions of speech in in England by arrests, particularly recently you know with the Palestine Israel conflict, and uh, you've seen people there who have been protesting against um, perhaps the narrative. Well, we had and, one here in in New Zealand yeah. in Auckland. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, well, exactly. But you, know, you, you, you don't have to go. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> holding holding up a sign saying actually this cuts both ways, sort of thing, you know. And um, and she, yeah, exactly. And, and she was a lawyer too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, it, it, yeah. So you know, I mean, um, that stuff is ongoing. Well, you know, I guess it remains to be seen into twenty twenty four how strong the new government is on. Uh, rolling back some of the stuff. Will they just leave the DIA um, uh, online censorship proposals just in abeyance because they have too much other stuff to do? Um, we, we won't know for uh, a little while, actually. So, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much where that's at for, for the meantime. It's a bit of a shame that, um, you know, they haven't, the DIA has not published the uh, the online submissions, um, you know, um, 
sad people like me might take a bit of time over Christmas New Year to read some of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. people like me will ask you, what do they say? What do they say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that that's that for the minute. Um, okay, what just about the creeping? As, just, just as oh. long as they're reading them. Um, you know, I always feel that you do put this time in to write submissions, and if they don't hear from you verbally um, or orally, I do feel that, you know, do they hear them? Um, hmm. Do they bother to read them? Do they How use chat GPT to like combine them all together and give them a succinct summary? Um, I yeah, look, I don't know. I, I I really don't think they read them. No, and look, I mean, if if there's some hope, and and you know we can cross our fingers and and hope um, that there's a bit of hope out there, and that the new minister of of um, of the DIA or Internal Affairs is Brooke Van Velden from ACT. Uh, um, and Brooke is quite a liberal person and, and champions free speech and freedom of expression, as does David. So, well, well, um, <laughs> as much as possible, I think you know, uh, probably more than more than some of the others on the other side. And so, you kind of hope there might be a little bit of, um, I guess, a, a little bit of hope there that uh, that that Brooke might sort of look at the stuff and say, actually, um, we, we're completely. Well, they've got freedom on their just... website. Well, there we go. Oh. You know, yeah, there we go. And well, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, as I say, it's new minister, new government, new thinking, new um, ideologies, new philosophy. Let's just see what happens. Okay, what about uh, uh, quickly uh, creeping Tikanga? Have we seen any more of that as we wind up 2023, do you think? Well, well, kind of we have, and it cuts both ways uh, in that the first few cases I talked about, you know, I was a bit concerned that we were through through this um, system, I suppose, a, a Māori common law system, we're going to create two legal system uh, systems in the country two common law legal systems and i don't i don't think any you know parliamentary democracy or, or western democracy like us should have two separate common law systems um i think the supreme court was quite sort of keen to say well they can be they can work in together and they're not they're not kind of distinctly sort of one and the same thing i don't think i don't think you can do it that way i don't think that works i think that's wrong uh, simply because uh very simply, one of the fundamental principles of the rule of law is that the law must be certain and known to everybody. But uh, tikanga is completely and utterly uncertain because it, it, it is all about um, customs and principles of certain iwi and hapu, and they all change according to the iwi and hapu in the locality. Uh, so, you know, from Cape Rianga to the Bluff, the customs and uh, principles and everything else that um, the Iwis have are all different, and so there can be no certainty in in those customs, and therefore the law, um, if if you're going to work in that system. So that was kind of my concern. Uh, but as I say, um, there have been, you know, we we discussed on this show there was an employee who worked at customs, I think it was, who uh, was um, uh, dismissed from her job uh, because she, I think, she failed to. Um, did she fail to get vaccinated? I'm not too sure. Something to do with uh, something mask, like that. Yeah. mask or vaccination or something. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the Public Service Act, which which governs public employees, was changed to include uh, references uh, to tikanga and how public employers must follow tikanga roles and principles and bits and pieces. So she, she actually used that to her advantage uh, in her employment case and won. So perhaps you know we. Uh, Want to be a little bit careful about, um, you know, um, or maybe I do, or others, listeners, uh, criticizing the use of tikanga too much because it can be a sword and also a shield, as, yeah. we, as we saw there. Mm. Interesting. Um, here's a I do have to that... say, though, on tikanga, that yep. the uncertainty of it is um, that it will not create a reliable source of law mm. or a reliable source of common law. Um, and I do feel that it's not going to be advantageous for our legal system going forward. And I can see why why that would be. Here's a term that I hadn't heard before. We, we, we did what we did or have been doing what we've been doing, and that is managed retreat. And I don't like it. Anyone got anything to say about yeah, managed can I, retreat? Can I just start off on this? So um, in, my, in my day job, I ostensibly work – in the fields of uh, property, property development, especially commercial property, commercial landlords and tenants um, and, and the like, and, and commercial work relating to all of that. And one of the things that um, – and everywhere, look, I have a, a, a staff of about nine or ten, including PAs, and we have a weekly meeting on, on a Tuesday at nine o'clock just to discuss the odd bits and pieces here and there. 
And a couple of weeks ago, the thing that I introduced uh, at the meeting, I said, look, I want everybody to be aware of is, um, is managed retreat. Uh, and uh, not just managed retreat, but the the um, now more common instance of councils to include in their limb reports on properties, uh, coastal erosion, flooding, um, you know, coastal inundation, all, all sorts of things like that. And some of these maps that are being updated now uh, at councils that affect properties are, um, in short, they're alarmist. I mean, that's quite, that is quite, they're, they're just alarmist nonsense, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, I had to actually educate my staff and say, this is what's going on. Just be aware of it. If you're reviewing a limb report or a, a client's looking at buying a property and, and this, you know, this is what's going on. And this is what the limb report says. You need to be aware now of managed retreat and need to be aware of, of what these maps are now showing. And it, it is a serious issue from the point of view that, um, that it's going to affect pers people's personal property rights markedly. Uh, it's going to make some properties uninsurable. It's going to um, lead to, as, as we discussed on the show some weeks ago, um, potentially some communities having to move and people having to move. Um, just just on the basis of, of a IPCC report that said, oh, in a one in one hundred year flood, or one in one hundred year, you know, or perhaps in in three hundred years time, these oceans rise by six centimeters. This might happen, you know. Um, and it's it's look, alarmist, some of those, as you say, alarmist. The projections, in my view, are just completely out of control. They're almost bordering on wrong, uh, and they're being they're being taken by bureaucrats as as the gospel and the truth. Uh, and it's going to affect people and communities markedly if they if they're carried forward uh, in, into action under, under managed retreat. And I, I think that you know we've seen we saw of course uh, we saw of course during during the COVID um, uh, era, I suppose that uh, bureaucrats and you know Dr. Bloomfield just issued a statement and people just lapped it up as the truth. Right, and that modelling, of course, and, and, and exactly, and the modelling. You had the inverted Same thing, commas, really. You had, it, it is. You had the inverted Same commas way. experts come out and say, "This is what it is. And this is what you must do." And and half the public, or the ones that didn't really, you know, um, pay much attention or didn't think too much, just rolled over and just did it. Uh, oh goodness, that's you know, okay, that's thank you, Doctor Bloomfield, to save my life, sort of thing. Uh, eighty thousand, eighty thousand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and just to save thirty-five thousand lives, you know, sort of thing. So, uh, and, and it's the same sort of method we're seeing here. Uh, you know, um, we're seeing actually, and in fact, I think it's kind of worse in a way because we're seeing outside agencies such as United Nations, IPCC. Um, International Panel on Climate Change, just the IPCC, yep. just issued these reports. It's just uh, adopted at government level without any analysis or critical thought or anything else whatsoever. They're applied into legislation. And now we've got the possibility where, you know, in a, in a year's time, people are going to be told, actually, move. Your house is worth nothing. And we might buy it off you for 75% of the value and we might not or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So this is really going to be, I, I think, uh, a, a major, major issue that um, – has to be kept on top of. Well, it doesn't need to be just kept on top of it. The action needs to go. Um, people invested in their own properties, in their own areas that they've chosen to do so. It's, uh, you know, property ownership is one of those things uh, that, you know, it's very hard to undermine. And this is just uh, a, a going straight over the top of it and essentially stealing a property. Um, it needs to go. It's get, atrocious. You get the feeling that the zealots rub their hands in glee. Yeah, I feel it's really being utilised by the councils. I think the councils have got uh, have been overrun. I think councils are definitely borrowing a lot more money than they are entitled oh, okay. to. Yep. And I think that the councils have um, essentially used our properties as collateral. Uh, rates and things will keep going up and up and up. Um, and I think this managed retreat business is, is you know something that they'll utilise as well. Um, you can't question them. You can't. You can't undermine it. You can't uh, you know, provide your own return analysis. You've got them relying on uh, incorrect assumptions in respect of climate change, um, and you know the modelling we know is selective and convenient for whatever narrative they're choosing to run. 
uh, reality doesn't really play much into it. And, and we know that the, the initial, you know, the initial climate change modelling based on a hockey stick, um, that hockey stick, that infamous hockey stick, which we now know has been proved essentially completely wrong in terms of its computer computer modelling rather than scientific analysis. You know, and the the other thing that you know, I can give you a kind of um, or listeners on the ground as to what's happening. I've had a couple of cases, clients in the last couple of months who have applied for building consents to do a reasonably significant amount of work on their property. One had to repair it because of a fire on their property. And that particular person, and indeed the other one, lived quite close to either a stream or river or the coast of the ocean. And the council said as a condition of giving or, or, or um, you're giving you a building consent, uh, we want a notification on your title that says that your property uh, is at risk of erosion or inundation or some sort of damage and like, uh, and and people need to be aware of it. We'll, we'll give the builder consent, but on the basis that, and they're allowed to do that under the Building Act, under Section 73, uh, but they've issued these two Section 73 notices uh, that that people, have, you know, really, unless they want, if they don't, if they want their building consent, they have to comply. Because, you know, the council says, we're not issuing you a builder consent unless you have this Section 73 notice on your title. Does that which drop warn- the value? Uh, well, no, no, worse, it's made one property virtually unsellable. Oh, correct. Okay. So, and the thing is, Paul, that in, in that property there, there are six to eight uh, properties all the way along this estuary. Uh, none of them have that notification on their title except this one. And that's because they're not doing any building work on their property, Right. So the there's, there's fa- no fairness there. And, the and mere it. fact that these people, our clients, had decided, well, not decided, they had to because the house almost burnt down, you know, very bad fire damage, had to rebuild it internally and apply for building consent. The council's taken the opportunity to look at the maps, the new maps they've put in place to say, oh, my God, 50 years is going to be all underwater. Um, we, we've now take, the, take this opportunity to put um, this notification on the title to 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 basically demonise the property. It, it's, tragic. It's, it's tragic. It's utterly wrong. It's tragic. And you know, as I say, there, there are seven properties along the way that it does not apply to, and that's because I've not applied for building consent. And when was the last time they so, were flooded well, out? Well, my point is this: is that if the council believed that these properties were at risk of inundation or coastal erosion or climate change, flooding or whatever, 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 then they are at risk regardless of whether these people have applied yes. for building consent or not, right? Totally. Yeah. So they should just be saying to all eight, "All this stuff needs to go on your title," but they're not. So it's it's really affecting private property uh, as we know it even now through these two situations. Well, that's a wow. Okay, let's because um, time is tight. Um, I remember we first talked about the IPCA, um, uh, what, uh, investigations at the time. The findings are here now, oh, months and months ago. And um, no surprise, (laughs) no surprise. Oh, maybe the surprise was that they actually came out and found some issues. Hey, no, I think you've got to be careful. The introduction to the report, which was about 250 pages, was quite fluffy and sweet and nice. But when you actually started reading through the report, it indicated cataclysmic communication issues. Right, yeah. Like, the report was so damning, um, but because people would generally look at the length of the report and go, I'm not going to read the whole report, uh, they'd go to the introductory sections, which were quite complimentary. Uh, I would be terribly embarrassed if that was my organisation. Costa, you should have resigned after you got that report. Yeah. Um, it was shameless. Um, it was, you know, an uh, incredible piece of uh, analysis. It, was incompe- it showed just incompetence through and through, right? Professional oh, incompetence. That's just the Incompetence start. is kind. Yeah, um, And look, it was, their conduct in that period was so incredibly questionable. And then we can see it flowing through and we can see it um, flowing through to all levels. We can, you know, there is going to be so much that needs to be answered about that uh, police protest response. Um, uh, You know, how they could even come down so heavily handed on uh, peaceful protesters. Uh, And then you find this incredible situation where they've actually investigated and they hived out, I think it was 12 
or maybe 18 separate investigations that they decided not to put into the full report. Um, And we've got six that are considered to be uh, overuse of force by the police. And look, you you could see that that's the stuff that went screaming around social media, uh, those horrible uh, visuals that you could see where the eye gouging of the gentleman by the toilets, uh, the... Um, young boy, I think he was 18, with a policeman just like full force holding onto his head as if he was doing a plank. Um, The young woman, I think she was covered in um, coconut oil, but naked, uh, pulled out and uh, yeah, and I think uh, It's just the anger. It's the anger. It was, yeah, How do you generate that sort of anger unless you are it's ginned into you, you know, like you can imagine them having big chanting sessions and I know how the team policing units used to work and that's what they used to do to get to that level of aggression. You you can't get to that level of aggression, just what, observing the people because you know, no. you can see what's going on. So we have to ask, did Costa go and tell him to go hard? I mean, what happened? Oh, look, I, there'll be a lot that needs to be done and looked at for that. Uh, but if you turn the flip side around where we've got the let women speak, um, event where there was active aggression shown towards women uh, and we've gone through decades of trying to educate the population on it's not right to beat your missus uh, to have these situations where there was vital brutality uh, sorry violent brutality shown towards women uh, and tolerated and, by the police and toler- entirely tolerated by the police uh, so it, it, this is what happens when your police um uh, force goes political, uh, and this is what really needs to be quashed out. And Who's the police minister now? I should probably know this, but who is it? Uh, Mark Mitchell. Wait, wait a minute, Mark Mitchell. It? Mark Mitchell, yeah. Well, he's got something to do next year then, hasn't he? Fire yeah. them all. Not well, yeah, look, no, I, I, I think they're as good as their master. Yeah, I heard him on the radio a few weeks ago, what did he say? That he'd, he'd met with Andrew Costa and he would make no decision on his future at the moment, but they had a meeting with Amicable or something or something. So we'll see. I mean, I mean, Mark, Mark's uh, you know, ex-dog handler, I think, ex-police officer. He did a lot of time in a, in Middle East and security stuff. So um, I've met Mark a couple of times. He's, he's um, very salt of the earth. Um, Old school? Uh, how, how do you mean by old school? Well, old school policing, you know, like yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would not would not be political. Uh, no, n- uh, no, I, I, I doubt it. Yeah, but to be so political, so to be speak. angry and violent—that's what I can't work out. How you could get to a level of aggression? But you have to you have to remember that 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 the, the minister of police does not. Theoretically, and get involved in inverted commas operational close inverted commas matters, right? Yeah, so, but they can so, say we don't we don't like this person anymore. Find a way to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time, doesn't it? Which kind well, of what, what, the minister of police can, what the minister of police can do is affect is, is from the very top operational matters by appointing a commissioner who they want um, to uh, lead the operation of the police. In the way that the minister wants it to be led. Well, isn't that what I was saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in I a dumb so. way, I think, though. So. I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you can't tolerate that. I'm, you know, seeing the video of particularly what got me is because in my world you don't hit women ever, mm. and the way they and uh, and they said, well, if you had coconut, I don't care what oil anyone has on them, to do that, and he and and that guy did the knee on the on the skull as well with her. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, look, I think that's the one that um, Tudor is taking. <clears throat> Civil action that Tudor's taking, I think yes. that's oh, okay. Well, um, yes, so we'll yeah. get to lots. We'll be able to okay. see a lot there, and that's I think also the woman that was paid uh, a massive costs um, amount, right? Uh, from okay, the taxpayer well, dollar. It, I'm okay with that. We'll get him back. Yeah. And okay. I, I, I keep coming back. Look, I, I, I keep coming back on that whole episode to. Um, the point, that we, and we don't know this, it's speculative, but if political leaders had gone down, spoken to the crowd, if they had said, you know, if they'd listened to them, understood that the, how, how, how their lives had been affected, how their businesses had been affected, how their families had been affected, how their health had been affected, all that sort of stuff on the lockdowns and the mandates and everything else, 
if they had done that at the start and spent maybe a week or two trying to say, well, okay, how can we address this? What can we do? Or, or as they, as they, I think, were legally obliged to do as as politicians and members of parliament, we may never have ever seen the scenes that we saw. No, I think uh, you're right in March 2022. So, I think categorically, we never would have. I yeah. think that it that was the one thing. Just come down and speak to them. Yeah, but it had to be meaningful. It can't just be, ha hi, yeah, okay, we saw you, see you later. Yeah, and what they no. did, I mean, Mallard turned, turned the sprinklers on, played loud music, other and MPs. Sonic and, yeah, and, and other MPs, and, and, I, and I won't name them, but they're in the current government, stood up in their ivory towers and took photos from their phone of the stuff that was going on, put it on their social media, and literally laughed about what the protests were doing, you know, uh, treated them like just imbeciles uh, and you know something on the bottom of their shoe that stuff is just and it's just it's deplorable it's deplorable it didn't have anything to do with the Pfizer contract did it like you're not allowed to, not allowed to to um mm. uh, anyway that's another thing we could look at when we know more about that okay so that's the year I know we're up against time uh, maybe we don't have much uh, time just to cast ahead looking ahead into 20. 24. I think there's going to be a choppy, turbulent, turbulent year, uh, maybe even more than last year or this year, oh. you know, which will be last year soon. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, okay, IHRs, uh, we have a um, a pause, but then what uh, happens? Wait, no, we don't really have a pause. Um, we should be receiving by the end of January 2024 the 300-plus amendments okay, to the International gotcha. Health Regulation Amendments. Yep. Uh, they're required to be delivered four months in advance of our World Health Assembly um, on in May 2024. Uh, we do know that the uh, working groups received a very dodgy legal opinion saying that that four-month period doesn't apply. Uh, so we'll be certainly making sure that we put enough pressure on by all the governments to say, no, you need to provide us with those amendments with four months clear of the World Health Assembly. To digest to them, right? to, to do Yeah, and, and we're talking about a lot of amendments. We haven't seen a version of the 300-plus uh, amendments since the end of December last year, so a year ago, and there's been at least, I think, eight meetings uh, of that working group over this time. Uh, a lot is being crammed into the regulations, I believe, as a consequence of possibly the uh, pandemic agreement not having the support it needs to get up for a two-third vote. That's two-thirds of the World Health Assembly. Yeah, it's it, there's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I I think the uh, the the impact that those international health regulations. Um, may have uh, where we see the amendments that come through and um, we'll be following them mostly for sure. Okay. Barry Young. Ooh, good one. How long? Okay, a couple of questions here. How long before he's sentenced? Uh, no particular order. I know he pleaded not guilty and wants a trial by jury. Can they find a jury? And when's his next appearance? How do you think that's – and what was he actually charged with? Uh, I understand he was charged with Section 249 of the Crimes Act, uh, which was accessing a computer system for dishonest purposes. Um, that's an interesting charge, uh, and I'm not sure all the elements will be made out for Barry's situation, uh, because that section provides, and if that's the section he's been charged with, everyone is liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding seven years, directly or indirectly, accesses any computer system and thereby dishonestly or by deception and without claim of right obtains any property, privilege, service, pecuniary advantage, benefit or valuable consideration or causes loss to any person. And so what happens in this particular charge ordinarily is that it's a case for fraud or theft where a computer is used. It's going to be very hard for the prosecution to make that out. And um, Nick's got much more experience um, in this area than I do. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that you could say that Barry, Barry's either received a benefit or caused yeah, a person loss. Yeah, I was wondering lots. about that. Yeah. Well, he, he hasn't even, in my view, accessed a computer because he's got, lawful, he's got lawful access to it. In other words, he's allowed, as part of his employment contract, I presume, 
to have access to it and the system. He was charged with putting together a database, as far as I knew. So yeah. I, th I, th I think when you look at the word access a computer in that, in that section, it is you access it illegally from the outside in some way that you're not ordinarily authorized to do, authorized to do. And he had authorization to, to be in that system anyway. And then it says, and they're interesting without claim of right, now, uh, the, and, and claim of right is basically, Paul, uh, an honest belief that your act is justifiable, even if it's based on ignorance of the law. Okay. So he could say, well, he look, claim that, wouldn't he? I, I accessed it, but I believe what I was doing is actually the morally right thing to do. Yeah. You know, uh, for the for the read. So it's going to be fascinating. Um, I, you know, when is it going to be? Look, I mean, this thing could, I think we discussed last week, where it could, um, it, it's. <laughs> How the crown worked through all this, it's going to be political and and PR as much as it's going to be legal, uh, and it could be over very quickly or it could be over in in, in a very very long time. Mm. And we can see from the injunction obtained by the Employment Relations Authority that there is huge questions around that injunction. Uh, it was an ex parte injunction. It means that uh, nobody else was able to make a say. Uh, the orders were granted on the basis of whatever Simpson and Grierson drafted for uh, New Zealand Health, uh, we have major concerns about uh, the veracity of that order pertaining to unidentified persons who are clearly outside the employment relationship. Uh, you know, we're going to see perhaps um, another uh, mince up uh, by the judges in this situation, but it is in the district court. Uh, the district court... Um, uh, you know, I, I've had great experiences in the district court. They do this time in memorial, um, doing criminal cases uh, and certainly holding um, uh, jury trials. It will be a very interesting call for the juries. And thank God we can have um, just about anybody back on juries. Uh, it will be a very interesting um, uh, draw of the jury. I definitely know that I've looked. But that's a tricky that. one, isn't it? I don't know much about it. I've been on a jury once um, for a day. Um, but um, that's a tricky one to find a, sort of a balance there, wouldn't it be? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Katie, go. Yeah. No, no. And juries are such an interesting draw. Um, you know, it's you can't really tell people's preferences or anything inside of uh, what they look like, but that's essentially what you go off um, when you're deciding whether or not to uh, veto them when they walk up to uh, the jury box so, or not. Um, I don't know. How, how many jury trials have you been involved in, Nick? Uh, no. Uh, well, as, as a police officer, I was involved in a few, yeah, prosecuting mm -hmm. a few. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot different system back then um, than what it is now. But, uh, I mean, this this case here... You know, you, the other thing you've got to think of, I suppose, is um, is things around, I mean, issues around suppression orders, suppression of the evidence, suppression of witness names, perhaps, who they are, where they work, et cetera, et cetera, because it could well be that some people in the ministry um, and, and others don't want some of the evidence to be um, um, led, you know, um, held out publicly. Or mm. some of the data, some of the evidence, some of the people's names, some of what he discovered, or whatever, uh, publicly. So there may well be a whole bunch of pre-trial applications for suppression of evidence, suppression of names, uh, and, and whatever. So as I say, this is where it's going to get fascinating because I don't think it's just going to be simply a case of, you know, Katie read the elements of the of the section before. It's going to involve quite a bit of subterfuge um, of various various actors. Do you think he might get a better um, jury trial if they were to move it to, say, Auckland? Uh, you know, I think having it in Wellington is a smaller population. It's also a very uh, uh, heavy public servant population. Maybe it might need to be moved. Yeah, and and I think that's, you know, his um, Matthew Haig of defending him probably is thinking that at the moment that they make an application to move move the trial to have it heard somewhere else. Mm. I think yeah. that might be wise. Mm. Okay, so popcorn out for that one. And um, all right, what do we want to end on? Because I think we're up against time now. Um, we will have more of our inquiry sessions. Really looking mm -hmm. forward to those. But um, sure, you must, uh, Katie, particularly have in mind what you want to see come together. And no doubt you're working somewhere on it. Um, kind of what happens here. It's got to be timely. It's got to encompass 
the terms of reference that that make sense, make a difference, are logical, um, and don't exclude anything. All those things, right? Yeah. Look, absolutely. I mean, um, in Australia at the moment, we've been working heavily on um, a terms of reference over there. Um, I think we'd call it the gold standard. If you actually want to know what's gone on and you want to learn about the last few years, and this is, you know, this is like the First World War. It affected every single person. There was not one person that left the last three years unscathed. Uh, and, you know, it's played a massive toll. It's decimated economies. Uh, it's seen conduct and behaviour far beyond um, ordinary conduct and behaviour. Imagination, uh, I would say. Oh, well, absolutely imagination, but conduct and behaviour that is appropriate for uh, governing bodies and institutions. Yeah. Uh, it's It has been incredible. Uh, we've had our freedoms removed and returned with privileges should we do what we were told uh, and, and follow the, um, uh, the the things that we were being told we had to do. Uh, I think it's... It's really going to be important, and it's going to be really important. I think ASEA has such an important role to play in keeping the inquiries honest, uh, and that's inquiries everywhere. We've got Canadian, um, hopefully the Australians picking up, definitely going to have a close eye on the New Zealand, uh, and you think about it, uh, Labor would have paid consultants millions of dollars to scope an inquiry for New Zealand, um, and, you know, uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be damn interesting, and I'm really uh, delighted to be involved in the inquiry sessions and to be able to report back here on uh, really uh, Czech Radio Legal Hub because uh, it's going to be something that I'm going to be immersed in for sure. All right, any final comments, uh, Nick? Anything to say before we wind it up for the year? Oh, no, no, only that. Look, that this. Uh, I think I just want to thank you too. Uh, I thank the listeners for listening and, and sending in their their um, emails and their and their you know, notes of you know thanks and all their comments and uh, support and everything like that. It's been uh, you know this is a bit of a novel thing this RCR and it's uh, it's such an important uh, such an important part of I think New Zealand's framework now and. Uh, having you know um, inverted commas different views, <laughs> both inverted commas, yep. than the mainstream out there, and having hundreds of thousands of people be able to listen to it, and and for them to to you know as I say to email in and to um, give their support and to see the show just flourish, the whole program and the radio station flourish, I, I just it's just been wonderful, and I just think you know I just hope we can just go onwards and upwards for next year, and there'd be plenty to. <laughs> Plenty to talk about, I'm sure. We've, you know, we've already touched on on some of the things, and um, yeah, I mean, we, I just hope everybody takes a, takes a good break. But when we're back on uh, early February, the sixth or seventh, yeah, yeah, early sixth or seventh or something like that. So, yeah, yep. we'll come back. You know, um, guns are blazing, uh, suntans up. I, I, I suppose yeah. suntans on vitamin D at vitamin D. Level. You know. Yeah, ten yeah. kilos heavier or lighter, depending on what you've <laughs> yeah. done over Christmas, New Year. Yeah, uh, and, and yeah. So, just thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Paul, Katie, um, Claire, and everyone else who set the show up and the program up. And it's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah, well, thank you, definitely. Nick. Appreciate those words. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And we're still going after nine months. You know, that's a sign that there's longevity, and we're going to be here for ages. I think so. Yeah, it feels yeah. that way. It feels yeah. that way. Yeah. And I think I think um, there's more work to do ahead. Anyway. Definitely, definitely. I have hope in my heart. Oh, that's good to hear. That's a nice note to end on. Sure is. Well, guys, have a, a great break. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay, and um, Happy New Year. I think it's still okay to say that, to wish people that. Yeah. And Thanks, uh, Paul. We'll, we'll talk again early Feb 2024, all right? Good, Paul. Good, Katie. Bye-bye. Bye, listeners. Bye, Paul. Bye, listeners. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now, they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.